Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are completely and utterly good, that you are completely and totally faithful, that your word says every promise you've ever made is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And Father, we pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit right now to strengthen faith in your goodness to us and to strengthen us to know how to grasp hold of your goodness when we go through trials. And so, Lord, we pray that you would anoint this preaching of your word and that you'd speak powerfully through it. And we pray that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, church family. We are carrying on in our preaching of the Psalms, and this morning is a uh, just an especially encouraging psalm. So if you turn with me, our psalm for the morning is 86. Psalm 86. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You've delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The word of God. Friends, I don't know if you noticed how the psalm began and how the psalm end, but it is quite an astonishing contrast. And I want to just start by looking at the words of verse 1 and the words that end verse 17. David begins by saying to the Lord, I'm poor and I'm needy. I have need. And he's calling out to God. And then he ends with the words, You, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So in these 17 verses, some kind of transformation has taken place in David. 
that brings him from this place of I'm poor and I'm needy and I'm calling out to you to you've helped me, you've comforted me. And all of that without God actually even changing his circumstances. That's pretty amazing. Transformation in prayer. One person says, you know, if we come out of prayer the same way we entered, we haven't been praying. We've been whining. Now, that's that's quite a strong statement. And um, if I were going to have the time, I would want to nuance it a little bit and talk about some situations that um, might qualify as a little bit uh, different. We'd not want to use that description. But uh, by and large, I think this provocative statement has a lot to say to us. And so I want to read it again and think about it. He says, if we come out of prayer the same way that we entered, we haven't been praying. We've been whining. In other words... In the context of this, uh, the, the the broader picture of Psalms that we've been we've been uh, preaching from, in which we've seen that God invites our emotional honesty, that God creates this place, this context, in the safety of His faithfulness and His grace and His love, where we can come and we can pour out our hearts to our God because He cares for us. We've, we're now hearing that that's not just the end of the story, that we don't just come to God and kind of pour out our hearts, we don't just have a good cry or a good yell or a good frustration session and then call it good. Because just doing that doesn't change us. In other words, we can be emotionally honest and yet leave prayer unchanged. We can dump, we can pour out, and yet, not experience transformation in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our own souls and spirits, in our countenance. And that would be devastating because that's not God's desire for us and it's not God's desire for prayer. Isaiah 26, 3 says, He will keep in perfect peace him or her whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. So what's God's desire for us? What's his will? To keep us in a place of perfect peace. Like we see in the picture of his son, who we're all growing up into, when we heard about him sleeping in the storm a month ago. Who Jesus is, is who we are invited to become or What Jesus embodies as a child of God is what we're growing up into. God will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in God. So so prayer is meant to bring us back to a place of peace, which we often get knocked out of or off of. But it's not just peace. It's like peace and joy are kind of uh, partnered together and you can't really ever tease them apart. You'll never find a person who's full of joy and anxious at the same time. Or you'll never find a person who's full of peace and yet completely without joy. In the kingdom, peace and joy go together. That's why Paul says the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So God's desire for us as his children 
is, is he, he understands that we go through trials. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And his desire is to both bring us to and keep us in this place of peace and joy that we often get knocked out of. And prayer is the way that he wants to bring us back to peace and joy. So prayer is to be encounter with the living God in all of his loving goodness who then strengthens and encourages us to press on in faith even when we haven't physically seen our circumstances that we're bringing to the Lord change yet. Let me say that again. Prayer is to bring us into encounter with the living God in all of his loving goodness who strengthens and encourages us to press on in faith. So let's look at how this happens to David. David's under attack. He says a band of ruthless men are trying to kill him. They're armed. They're chasing him. They're hunting him down. And if they find him, they're going to end his life. This is pretty severe. And so David calls out to God. And he says, Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I'm poor and needy. Guard my life, for I'm devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You hear that? David saying, Hear, answer, guard my life, save your servant, have mercy. But he's also praying, bring joy, bring joy to your servant. David's lost his joy. And we might hear him say that and go, yeah, no kidding. Like, Of course he's lost his, his joy. He's, he's on the hunt, or he's, he's being hunted and, and people are about to kill him. You think you'd be joyful in that circumstance? Actually, yes. Because in the kingdom... We don't get joy because of our circumstances. We get joy because of who God is and we belong to him. And we see this in Paul who says to the Philippians, Look, I've learned the secret of contentment, of happiness, no matter the circumstances, whether well-fed and having plenty or in want. I know the secret. There's a, there's a connection. And then he goes on to talk about how I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. There's a, there's a connection with the Lord who's one with us and who's always present to us and who never leaves and who's always faithful that can be maintained, that can sustain joy even when, like Paul, you've just had your back ripped open and you're in a jail cell bleeding and yet you're worshiping the Lord. In the kingdom we get joy, says one person, because we rejoice. We get joy because we rejoice. But David's not rejoicing. He's lost his joy. And so he's not just calling out to God to save and deliver him, but he's saying, God, return my joy. And then he does the most interesting thing. He completely switches gears. He switches off of his trouble. He switches off of his calling out to God And listen to how he starts to pray in verse 5 and 8 to 10. 
You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I'll call to you because you will answer me. Among the gods, there's none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring great glory to your name. For you alone are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Friends, this is the same man who's being hunted. This is the man whose life is under threat. And now he's in a place of worship. He's transitioned and he started to meditate on the character of God. You're forgiving God. You're good, O Lord. You are overflowing with love to everybody who calls you, Lord. You're faithful. You answer. There's nobody like you, Lord. Oh God, all the nations are going to come and worship before you. They're going to bring glory to your name. And he's just caught up. And his worship brings him into encounter with God. So much so that he then begins to pray, Oh, Lord, teach me your way, and I'll walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear or reverence your name. I'll praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I'll glorify your name forever because your love is so great toward me. You've delivered me from the depths of the grave. Friends, think about this. He began this prayer just a minute or two ago, crying out for deliverance from his enemies, and now he's praying that he will more faithfully follow the Lord and reverence him. And he's all out worshiping. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. David is encountering the Lord. David is being transformed as he prays. So much so that just a few verses later, even though he's still asking for strength and for, de- for deliverance, he closes by saying, Oh Lord, you've helped me. Lord, you've comforted me. Friends, this is an incredible transition or transformation that takes place in David's soul. And we want to ask, how does it happen? We need to know how this happens because we regularly come under difficulty and attack from our enemy, from Satan. We've got many trials, but often the greatest trial is not the actual attack or difficulty itself, but the fruit or the result of it on our hearts and our minds. It's the stress. It's the anxiety. It's the pressure. It's the worry. It's the grief. It's the confusion. It's the loss of hope and joy. These aren't the trial. These are the fruit of the trial when we yield to it and begin to believe things in that trial about God, whether consciously or subconsciously, that aren't true. 
and they take effect on our minds, and they take effect on our hearts. They weigh our hearts down. And here, the Lord, through David, is showing us a beautiful pattern for prayer that brings encounter, which leads to transformation. What is that pattern? It's a pattern of beginning by lifting whatever it is that's on our hearts, whatever it is that's coming against us, whatever trial we're experiencing, whatever confusion, whatever hurt, whatever worry, whatever grief, whatever it is, lifting it up to the Lord, naming it honestly like we've been learning to do, paying attention to our hearts, naming whatever it is to the Lord in faith, that He is good, that He loves, that He cares, that He wants to hear, that He's present to us, that He wants to carry it. It's naming it to Him. So it's lifting it up and naming it, and then not meditating on it any longer. When we lift it up to the Lord, we leave it with the Lord who carries our burdens. So we don't take it back and keep thinking about it, but we make an intentional transition from that that thing that we lifted up to the Lord to the Lord. And we begin to reflect now not on our struggle, our problem, our trial, our pain, but on the Lord. And we reflect on who He is and what He's done and what His Word says about Him and what His Word says He will do and what promises His Word has made. And we begin to call those to mind and to meditate on them in the presence of God. We reflect on God's character. So we move from lifting up our concern to the Lord, emotional honesty, we transition to reflecting on the Lord and His character, and then we move to worship. Because reflecting on who God is is always meant to lead our hearts and our souls into a place of adoration, a place of love, a place of gratitude, a place of thankfulness. Let's, you know what, let's actually, let's actually practice this for a moment. So, wherever you are, I would invite you right now, just to call to your mind's eye, what's that thing in your life that you're most concerned about, or struggling over, or you've got angst or confusion about? Is it a person and in a relationship? Is it your financial situation? Is it a part of your future? Whether that concerns your, your job or whether that concerns marriage or children. What is it? What's that thing that troubles you? Just call it to your, to your heart's attention right now. Just put it into your hands as it were, in your mind's eye. Put that thing in your hands. And without words now, we're just going to lift that up to the Lord. We're lifting it up to Him. 
He cares about it. He cares about you and me. He knows it. We're lifting it up and we're saying, Lord, here it is. You know my heart. Would you just take this right now? Just hold on to it, Lord. So the Lord takes that from us. And now we're just going to transition and shift our focus for a minute. And we're going to look at Jesus Christ on the cross in the last moments before he died. And we're going to hear Jesus look down from that cross with love in his eyes. And we see Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we we stand in awe as we bow before that cross and we recognize that we have no demand on Jesus. We have no rights we can press with Him, that we don't deserve any of the forgiveness that He's offering, but that He doesn't offer it because we deserve it. He offers it because He loves us. And we just look at Him in all of His love and His glory and His goodness, the One who gave up heaven to come to earth, the One who gave up His life, who died and was resurrected and poured out His Spirit and sent that Spirit to the ends of the earth, even to us, to call you and to call me and to move in our hearts, calling us back to God the Father, forgiving us and cleansing us and filling us and making promises to us. And as we meditate on Him, and we meditate on His love that's faithful and that's unfailing, and we look into the eyes of the One who says, Father, forgive them, our hearts are strengthened and our hearts are lifted up. Can you feel that transition that takes place? Did you feel that transition in your soul, that shift in your soul, as you moved from thinking about what's troubled you so, to thinking about the King who became our sacrificial Lamb, and who looks at us with love, and who welcomes us with open arms? Even as I say it again, my heart is strengthened and it's lifted up. The Lord is so good. And you see, as we just take the eyes of our heart, and we shift them off of that thing that's hard and troubling and confusing and grieving and whatever it is that's pushing against us or pressuring. We take our eyes off that and we put them on and we meditate like David on the Lord who is good. We have a shift that takes place within our soul and the shift is that hope starts to bubble up. And that there's a renewed trust in the Lord who's good. You remember Isaiah 26, 3 said, He will keep in perfect peace him or her whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. And it's that, it's that lifting up our troubles to the Lord and then turning and meditating on His character that, that really creates a, a context for the Holy Spirit to birth trust in our heart. You might remember Romans 15:13 says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, 
so that your hearts may be filled to overflowing with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, joy and peace coming as we trust in Him. But what I really want us to hear here is that there, there's, a, there's a pattern of divine human cooperation that's going on in this type of prayer. We are really learning to work with the Lord. See, the Lord's desire is to fill us with joy and peace. That's what He wants. But there's a part that we play in lifting up our hearts and not just lifting up the grief, but then positioning, or the hard things, but then positioning our hearts to receive from the Holy Spirit the hope that He wants to pour in. And we position them that way by approaching God with faith and by meditating on who He is. You see that? How we can position ourselves like David did. We're not manipulating God at all. We're not producing anything. We're merely making a wise decision to not meditate on that which isn't ultimate, our trial and our grief and our hard things. We're making the wise decision to meditate on He who is ultimate. He who is before all things and after all things and who holds all things together, who carries us, who knows the beginning from the end, who's got our name written on His hands. We're choosing to meditate on Him and in so doing, we're creating a context for His Holy Spirit to strengthen hope in us even when our situation hasn't changed yet. And we worship. And friends, worship is the ultimate statement of faith. Worship says, God, you are who you say you are. And it elevates God above whatever it is that we're facing. See, whatever we're facing is wanting to impose itself upon us as though it's somehow, in this moment, ultimate. And that it should get to dictate what our souls experience. But we are saying, no, no, no. I lift that thing up to the Lord and then I trust. He is ultimate and He is faithful. And He is who He says He is. And as I worship Him, making that ultimate declaration of faith, as I elevate Him above every trial I face, and say, He is able. He is able to strengthen me. He is able to sustain, to provide, to fulfill, to heal to bind, to reconcile, I provide the context of faith for the Holy Spirit to not only sustain me, but also to answer those prayers. Friends, this is a powerful pattern that the Lord wants to establish in each of us and in us as a church. Worship defeats the enemies of God. We saw that in this story in the Old Testament in Chronicles. You might remember King Hezekiah's got a a Syrian army of hundreds of thousands out front, intimidating like crazy. And the people of Jerusalem are buckling with fear. And Hezekiah calls on the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him through Isaiah and says, You watch what the hand of the Lord will do. And Isaiah, in faith mobilizes the army, but puts the worshipers out in front of them. And they 
They, they leave the city the next day worshiping God and they come to the camp of the enemy to find that the enemy has been slain by the hand of the Lord. Friends, this is the same pattern that's being demonstrated in the psalm today. We don't see the outworking of it yet. We don't see the enemy slain, but we actually know the end of the story that from the book of Samuel and from David's narrative that the enemy does get slain, that the Lord does deliver David, does elevate him to the and does fulfill the promise that he made to him. And friends, that's what the Lord wants to say to us each again this morning. Every promise I've made to you is yes and amen. I am fulfilling them. Even though you can't see the some of them, many of them right now, it might feel like darkness. I am faithful and I am fulfilling and will fulfill every word I've spoken. And so worship me, says the Lord, in the splendor of my holiness and be strengthened and be filled as you bring me glory. And so, friends, we're going to end this way. We're going to worship. Let's worship the name of the Lord who is faithful. Amen.